Join me right now on Kumite TV is rising one championship featherweight, Gary Tonin. What's going on, Gary? What's going on, guys? Happy to be here. Um, let's talk about 2018. You made your debut. You got three finishes in a row. You stayed undefeated. It was a pretty spectacular year for you. Could you pinpoint anything you were not satisfied with from that last year? <sighs> Man, it's really hard to put things in perspective because... I'm coming from a standpoint, if I was just coming from a standpoint of I've never done anything before and, uh, you know, uh, I just jumped into MMA and I, I didn't have any jiu-jitsu background, I didn't have any martial arts background, and I had those performances, uh, my perspective would be so different than it, re than it is now because I achieved near excellence in a sport beforehand. So, like, that's similar or at least integral anyway. Um, so because I did really well in jujitsu before that, my standards for like what, for like what looks good and you know, what a good performance are, are so much higher than, you know, they really should be for somebody that's just trying to do mixed martial arts for the first time. Um, yeah, man. I mean, you know, I have things that I wish I did better, but like when I look back in perspective, I think I did about as good as I could have done with the amount of time that I had. Um, there's always, I think there's, there's always room for improvement in terms of, uh, you know, maybe I could have maximized my time a little bit better or studied a little bit harder or, you know, did an extra training session here and there, whatever it is. Uh, but overall, you know, like had I lost those mat those, uh, fights, uh, with the exact same amount of preparation, uh, I really feel like I would have been able to go to sleep at night thinking that I did pretty much as much as I could have done to win. You know, regardless, you know, uh, thankfully I won, but, <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of how I look at it. Before you made your debut, you know, a year before that, you tapped out Shinya Aoki in Singapore in this one championship cage. Did, did that experience benefit you going into your MMA debut? Uh, it absolutely did. Um, you know, the biggest thing is it was an eye-opener um, because – the cage control that Shinya was able to use and display during that match was very exceptional. And it's definitely something that we played around with leading up to the, the match and everything. But I, I wouldn't say I played a place like a huge emphasis on the fence wrestling portion. Um, and even just, just the wrestling being involved, just the fence wrestling being involved, as opposed to, you know, strikes and everything else that comes with MMA, uh, it posed a lot of problems for me. You know, I did eventually, uh, be, I was eventually able to submit him, but uh, I think it was greatly beneficial to me because it just went to show me that even in the grappling aspects of mixed martial arts, like I have a long way to go. Um, and it was just kind of eye-opening for me that and motivating, you know, for me to work a lot harder to study and to, uh, and to train and to make sure that I, I, I made up that lost ground um, you know, that's, that these guys have been developing for years and years and years. I mean, Shinya has been in the cage for a long time, very experienced athlete. So, um, that's, that's the way that I would say that impacted my MMA career the most. Are there any more grappling matches in the works? Do you see anybody you could step in there with and just grapple with, you know, in the cage? I mean, I definitely would. Uh, I know that one's open to that idea. They haven't shot any names out to me yet as far as like, you know, somebody that they were interested in. Uh, there's definitely guys in the grappling world, and there's more and more of them, you know, uh, coming up every day. You know, the grappling world is shifting. It's crazy. I've been out for, you know, I don't know, a little over a year maybe, and, and I see all these different, you know, new names popping up here and there that are that are doing really well. So, um, 
you know, not only are there guys that I, that I used to want to compete against that I would love to compete against in grappling still, but there's, you know, there's some new guys too out there. Um, but the main thing is, is like, I want it to be whoever it is that I get step into a cage and grapple the next time. Like, I just want it to be something of note, whether it's like another, you know, really accomplished mixed martial artist that I get in there with, like somebody like Shinya, who's also an incredible grappler. I don't want to take that away from him either. But, you know, obviously, mainly, I would say mixed martial artist, um, or whether it be, you know, somebody who's incredibly exceptional at grappling, um, you know, whether it be my weight class, another weight class, I, I just... I really, if I'm going to get back in there, I just want it to be something exceptional for uh, for the fans and for my own legacy. Because uh, I've done a lot in grappling already, so if I'm going to take time away from, you know, grappling, or sorry, from uh, mixed martial arts and really uh, working to get better at that, uh, it's got to make be a big deal, in my opinion. You know, there, there's definitely some matches out there. I, I don't know if there's anything in particular that I'm, like, specifically thinking of. I could just throw out names, but... Uh, I don't know. It's not like I really have like a, a grudge against like one particular guy. I mean, I, you know, Crone has been a like, big name for a long time, but I don't really think it's going to happen considering that uh, he's, you know, fighting in UFC now. Um, I suppose a, cross, a, a match could happen in an outside organization that wasn't affiliated with UFC or one maybe. I don't know, but I doubt it because he's been, he's been avoiding that match for years, I think. Uh, which, you know, to, to his credit, I mean, he beat me, so he doesn't have any obligation to have to fight you know forget it um we'll see each other one day if he continues to be in mma i'm sure so what are your thoughts of the new wave of grapplers transitioning over to mma you know like dylan downis your, you know your teammate gordon ryan crone gracie sure. what do you sure. when you watch these guys out there what are your thoughts are you just like cheering for them because you are one of them uh, yeah yeah for overall yes uh overall i don't really I don't wish that any of them, you know, do poorly. Um, even the ones that you know I've had past grudges with, you know, you could say, uh, in the grappling world, um, because like you said, we do come from similar backgrounds. So, I mean, I'm very, I'm very passionate about grappling. I mean, I did it for you know over ten years, uh, and for anybody to be able to succeed, to succeed with some level of grappling, always makes me excited. Whether it's somebody in a mixed martial arts environment. Whether I, you know, see a news report of, you know, somebody defending against a bully because of that, or you know, defending against somebody who's trying to rob somebody, whatever. I mean, it's always a, it's always just kind of a cool thing because it's something I've dedicated my life to, and it, it makes it seem more valuable when somebody's able to use it effectively. Um, but what I will say uh, is that what's going to become incredibly important for those guys, as well as uh, the rest of the jujitsu athletes that are coming up that would be interested in transferring to mixed martial arts. There's just a lot of, uh, there's going to be a lot of skills that they need to develop in addition to their grappling. Um, and I'm not even necessarily saying like they could go in with a Damian Maya mentality and, and you know, just essentially try to uh, grapple their way to victory, which is fine. But even Damian Maya has adapted himself to the mixed martial arts world. It's not like, he just goes in there and uses like an IBJJF jiu-jitsu game when he's uh, fighting these guys. Like he has a sense of what he wants to do in that ring. Um, for instance, I'll just give you an example since we're talking about Damien. Um, you know, he does a really good job putting people against the fence and uh, putting them down from there. And that skill in and of itself, like I talked about with cage control with Shinya when I was, when I was speaking before, um, that's just a huge piece of the puzzle that very few grapplers would have developed 
because they aren't fighting in a cage or against a wall or anything like that, whether they're wrestlers, jujitsu guys, whatever, it doesn't make a difference. It's just something that needs to be well-researched by their coaches or by themselves and, and practiced meticulously because it's just, it's just such a different piece of the puzzle. There are other things I could mention as well, but that would be the, the, my main concerns about these guys because I, I do, in general, want to see most of the guys coming from a grappling background succeed. But that's kind of my worry is, like, are they going to just go in there with the mindset, like, I'm just going to submit everybody. I'm really good at grappling. Or are these guys really going to adapt to that MMA environment? And only time will, will tell, you know, um, just like there's a learning curve for me and, and I've been steadily progressing in my last few fights. Um, I'm sure the same thing will happen with those guys and we'll see, you know, just how much they're working on those other skills. But uh, as of right now, they haven't had too many fights, so it's kind of hard to tell. Outside of yourself, who do you see having the most potential in mixed martial arts? Uh, well, a crone, I would say. Uh, the main reason I say crone, crone, uh, crone, and then if I was going to put out of the people you mentioned, I would say crone and Dylan. Uh, I think crone probably a slight edge. Um, it's hard to say. I haven't grappled crone in a long time, but uh, just opinion based because I haven't really seen. But I, I believe that he just has a better ability to submit people. Um, but I also believe Dylan has an ability to submit people. So. Uh, I, I think that they'll be able to take that a certain distance. Um, there's good, they're going to get in the cage with a lot of guys and find a way to get to that submission or at least have the potential to do so. Um, there will be roadblocks, though, and how much those guys work on those integral skills, um, things like fence wrestling, uh, clinch wrestling and boxing and um, shoot boxing and things like that, timing. Uh, for, for takedowns, just how much they work on those skills are, are going to determine their success in those situations. But I do believe they can go very far with just the skills that they have, you know, the same way that, you know, an elite boxer, you know, at a really high level is going to have certain successes in MMA and, and other certain struggles. Um, that's kind of the way that I feel about those guys. But those would be my, my two picks if I said, like, you know, these guys are going to do, you're going to have a, a decent career so far based on what I've seen. All right, now getting back to your career, your next challenge, March 31st in Tokyo facing Anthony Engeland. Has it been difficult for you to get opponents since you had such a great 2018, or was this date something you wanted and you waited for? Uh, oh, okay, so I see what you mean, because it's been a little bit longer than usual for me for this third fight. Uh, well, this particular venue, I knew they were going to make a really big show because it's the first time they're uh, doing a show in Japan. Uh, I knew that I had always, you know, uh, dreamed of being able to compete or or fight in Japan. And uh, that, that really meant something to me. But I also know it means something to the organization. And they just signed like a lot of really big name guys, too, that I knew were going to be there. So, uh, yeah, I was definitely holding out for the show uh, since my last fight. The only reason I didn't take a fight in between was just to make sure that I would be healthy for this show. Uh, I didn't want to mess up my chances of uh, of appearing and competing in, in, in front of a lot more eyes. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely something that uh, I was looking forward to to find my way onto this this particular, uh, particular venue. Uh, absolutely. Anthony, he's considered a striker with decent grappling. Do you see this matchup as, you know, an opportunity for you to showcase your development in the striking department? 
Um, yeah, to a degree. Um, you know, he's very dangerous. So it's a, it's a little different situation than my last three opponents. Not to say that they couldn't have put me away. Um, but okay, so the main dangers with my last three opponents were submissions, which I'm fairly confident on, uh, of dealing with because I've been dealing with that for a long time. Um, and TKOs, um, which it's TKOs kind of more of a cumulative thing than it is like an immediate thing. Usually, I would say overall, um, so this opponent with Anthony, um, oh, I kind of missed on one of your points in the last question that you asked, by the way, which was, was I having trouble finding fights? Maybe, I, I can't really say. I, they didn't actually tell me like if they were having trouble finding an opponent for me. Um, but they definitely stepped the level up, which shows me that, you know, I'm sure that if they did ask anybody that was a lower level than Anthony, that they probably said, nope. So I don't know. But uh, you know what, though? I really, I doubt that. They probably just asked Anthony right away because... The guys in, in this organization, like, they're there to fight. Like, I just – I feel like they just say yes. I, oh, yeah, great opportunity. Because in, in a way, I'm an underdeveloped mixed martial artist, even though I'm having a lot of success. It's the best opportunity for these guys to get in there and beat me is right now. Like, the earlier they get a hold of me, best opportunity they're going to have to win because I'm only going to get better. I mean, I only have a year's worth of experience, right? So who knows? Maybe Anthony, you know, you know jumped on that or other people avoided it. I don't know. But anyway, uh, yeah, Anthony's got that KO power, right? So um, he's – well, I don't want to just say it's power because there's a lot more to KOing people than just power, accuracy, timing, uh, whatever it is that you know he possesses that allows, um, allows him to knock people out. I mean the, the fight is happening and then it's not, you know, and that's a very real danger that I don't know if I've faced yet. Um, and I think that will change my approach Um even just mentally leading up to this, you know, I can, I watch tape and I see him knock somebody out and I can just tell like internally, like, okay, I'm treating this differently than I've treated like past fights. And, uh, I may go in there with a, a little bit of a different mentality and a different game plan, um, trying to put him away, you know, uh, as opposed to, um, trying to feel myself out in the striking department, if you will. Uh, I do, I do still want to strike, you know, I do still, I plan to use a lot of the standing position. I don't think you're going to see me like um, just like right off the bell, just like try to shut up, set up a shot immediately. Um, but uh, I do think I, I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive. It's hard to say, man, it's fighting so crazy. Like you have a game plan and then you go get in there and you it's the saying is really true. Like you get punched in the face and then you're like, uh, maybe not. Like, <laughs> let's approach this from a different angle. Maybe I don't want to, you know, set that up because that hurts. So um, we'll see kind of what happens during the fight because I'm not 100% sure yet. Things change. And, and you know what's weird about all my opponents is I can research the hell out of these guys. But when I get in there, they fight different against me than they fight against anybody else because they know I have a very different background. So nobody they're fighting is really like me. So when they go to fight me, it's completely different. Um, when uh, I watch, uh, for instance, um, Rahul Raju, like, Every single one of his fights, he rushed forward and attacked people. Uh, maybe one time in our in our fight, he did he like rush forward and try to uh, swarm me. Every other time, he kind of just w held back and, and waited to counter me, which was working really, really well. Um, but it was completely different than anything I'd seen on uh, as far as tape on him is concerned. So Anthony may be a similar situation. It's like, okay, I watch all these this tape about what he does, you know, to strike with guys, but. He may completely change it because he knows he doesn't want to get taken down or whatever the case may be. It's really hard to say. Many describe your striking style as unorthodox. 
Who are you learning from? Um, mostly just uh, so. I guess it's hard to ex explain. Um, as far as who is structuring my learning, and he does teach me certain aspects. I would say John, um, but it's almost like the way that I would put it is my main teachers are guys that have done different aspects of the sport uh, at a high level, um, you know, for for many years. So basically, I say that you know my real teachers are almost the, the people that I'm watching tape of, in, in a sense. Like, John absolutely structures everything, and he'll be like, listen, your left hook is garbage. You know, <laughs> you got to watch fighter A, B, C, and D, and um, we got to work on that, you know. And and then, you know, if I really can't piece it together, he'll be like, here, here's something that'll help. So John has a good, you know, mind for it and everything, but I think, like, together we kind of, he'll kind of, he watches all my sparring sessions, and he kind of sees, like, all righty, this is what's, this is what you're lacking in. And then let's try to learn from the best guys in the world. Let's try to take these guys as example. All right. You know, um, uh, George St. Pierre used, you know, this particular takedown setup in this fight. It worked really well for him. I think it would help improve your game. Why don't you watch it a little bit and then let's drill it. Then let's do it. So in a sense, like John is my only striking coach, really uh, leading up to this fight. I have worked a little bit with um, the Muay Thai uh, room downstairs um at uh henzo gracie academy as well um there's a lot of good guys there mostly just to get guys to kick me um more so than anything else and uh those uh those guys have helped me out a lot too but they're not it, it, like john is just my teacher he's, he's the guy that's there every single day watching my sparring sessions and, and giving me advice and everything but um yeah man i, I that's that's kind of how i would put it is is he kind of structures the learning and highlights the things that i i really need to work on and then I watch, you know, some of these great guys, you know, through uh, videotape, um, whether it's boxing, Muay Thai, uh, MMA, whatever it is that, you know, we think is going to help uh, help the game. So that's kind of like where my I, maybe that's why it's very unorthodox, because I'm just taking little bits and pieces from all these different people. It's not like I have a boxing coach where maybe I, my boxing would look very similar to what that boxing coach's idea of boxing would be. Um, instead I have, you know, John who will point me in a bunch of different directions. Oh, you're going to study Lomachenko for this. You're going to study, um, you know, uh, Andre Ward for this, this, uh, trying to think like Tyson for this. And so everything looks, it's just different. It's uh, when you try to combine little bits and pieces from a whole shit ton of different fighters, it's kind of like when, when it all comes out, it's going to look a little weird, I think, because, I would imagine it would be something that most people hadn't seen before because it's a mixture of things as opposed to one set strategy, you know, that one person has. Wow, that's incredible because John, he is known to be a wizard on the ground and to have him dissect your striking. Do you guys sit there and watch your previous fights and he just sits there and just pinpoint certain things that you need to fix and adjust and maybe, you know, yeah. advance? Sometimes he does it. And then uh, other times uh, I bring it to him. I'll be like, you know, John, I just watched one of my previous fights and this looks horrendous. Like I remember uh, in my third fight, one of the worst things that I did was I I committed with the rear hand, which was good. It was, wasn't a bad thing to do. Tyson does it well. Um, and, and I was throwing a lot of shifting rear hands. But the moment I stopped the shifting rear hand, I would just stand there. I'd put my hands up, you know, but I mean, we're in four ounce MMA gloves, so... 
putting your hands up is just not quite enough. I should have immediately after all of those right hands that I tried to land when I missed or made contact, which I don't even think I made contact, which is another problem, but hey, I don't, you can miss some punches, but afterwards you got to keep yourself safe. So one of the biggest things I brought to John, I was like, yeah, man, I don't think this is good. Like we got to come up with an answer. And, you know, he helped me solve that problem. Uh, just bringing things back to uh, what you were talking about before with, you know, John being a wizard on the ground. Well, the funny thing is, is like, I think people have just forgotten the fact that John's coached a bunch of really successful mixed martial artists before he got involved in grappling really uh, to a high level at all. Like he was coaching, you know, George St. Pierre, Chris Weidman, Rory McDonald, like all these guys. He was a big part of their mixed martial arts camps. Sure. Like, was he on the leaning towards the grappling side of things? Yes. But it's kind of hard to get involved with coaching someone in mixed martial arts without getting a, a good understanding of mixed martial arts. Like he would be a terrible coach if he was like, yeah, George, I'm going to help you with your grappling, but I'm not really going to watch any mixed martial arts. I'm not going to study it at all. Like, I'm just going to give you the same grappling advice that I would give one of my grappling students. I don't think that would have worked. So he, he really dedicated. When John says he's going to do something, he's going to accomplish a task, he's going to be very thorough. You see that with the DVDs that he puts out. Like They're like twice, three times as long as the average person's uh, you know, DVD. Very thorough, very very much explaining every little different thing that he does. Uh, so if George, if you know John's like, all right, I'm going to coach George St. Pierre to victory, he's not just going to throw a few techniques at him. Like he's going to dissect his opponent. He's going to, you know, watch some of George's previous fights, some of the opponents. But like, there's a lot that goes into that. So he's got a wealth of knowledge in mixed martial arts as well as uh, jujitsu. And I think a lot of people kind of forget that when they're asking me about, um, you know, where I get my striking abilities. You go to Tokyo, you get past Anthony. Would you still consider yourself a prospect or a contender at that point? Mm, good question. Uh, well, it's hard to say. I, they haven't had a direct conversation with me one championship about having a belt. Um, or, sorry, competing for a belt. Uh, I, I, the only thing I've seen, which actually literally just came out today, was they some of their PR team posted something that said, like, when do you guys think Gary's going to get a shot at, you know, the belts or something like that? So that's the first inkling that I've seen that they were even interested in that idea yet. So what that tells me is may I don't know if that would be next means next fight they're interested in it or two fights, but I would say somewhere around three more fights or so, you know, I think it's going to get to the point where kind of like similar situation to what you said where you're going to have a struggle finding opponents even if they even if they didn't have a problem finding an opponent and they're like, hey, uh, you know, so and so, you're gonna fight Gary, and they'd say yes. I think they, I think they want they would want to try to continue to put me up against higher and higher level competition. And I think at a certain point they're gonna reach a ceiling without giving me the champion to fight. Right? Like at a certain point they're gonna have to do that. Um, and I don't know if that's I don't know if they're gonna give if there's more than three guys or so that are that are going to fit that, that, uh, um, I don't know, that requirement, if you will, you know, I, I think at a certain point they're going to run out of guys and they're going to be like, all right, well, gotta give this guy a shot. <laughs> I don't know. If I, I don't know if winning this fight does that for me or not. It's hard to say. Also, I think sometimes you have to consider like the way that you win a fight. Like, I don't know, maybe if I KO'd the guy, like that would be more significant to them. Who knows? You know, I mean, some, sometimes that kind of thing happens, man, you know? 
I've seen it happen in the UFC. I don't, I don't know if I've particularly seen it happen in one, you know, where somebody just has a spectacular performance and then they're like, you know what? Like this guy's on a roll. Let's give him a shot for the title now. You know, even though maybe he didn't beat guy A, B, C, and D that he should have, you know. So it's safe to say that if you do get a title shot, you're ready for it. It doesn't matter when it comes. You know, I, I think so. I think if you had asked me that my last fight, you obviously would have been too early anyway. But if you had asked me that my last fight, I would be like, eh, give me some more time. I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, it, you know, I, thinking about it, uh, I've had a little over a year now uh, experience, and uh, it would be a big step up in competition, I think. Um, but so is this fight. And, uh, you know, just kind of just like you said, if I can handle this fight and the, the, not, the KO power, which is like one of the biggest concerns in fighting, uh, I think I'm ready. I mean, I think uh, I think if they present it to me and that's what they want to do, uh, I'm ready to go. If if it's not what they're interested in, they want to give me more time, uh, I'm okay with that too. Uh, I'm all about getting my experience in. Honestly, uh, I really am. But um, I, I'm game. I'm, I'm I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna do whatever they whatever they tell me to do. <laughs> I've noticed that you're somewhat active on social media. You know, there's a lot of you have a lot of supporters, and you also have a lot of haters on there. What is sure. your approach? What is your attitude toward these platforms? I mean, I just have fun with it, to be honest. It's just kind of like I treat it like a, I know it's something that's important for my career. I think a lot of athletes kind of miss out on that idea. And they start because as athletes, almost all of us start in amateur level competition. Of course, I didn't do amateur MMA fights, but you understand what I'm saying. Like at some point I was doing this and wasn't getting paid. And when you're doing that, your only concern is winning. That's really all you have to do. Like social media and things, eh, kind of important, but not that big of a deal because you're not selling tickets to anything. You're not promoting anything. So I think some people get the wrong idea and they keep being amateur athletes even once they've been professional. Um, so social media is a big part of trying to make myself as professional as possible. So how do I reach this audience that's supposedly going to be watching whatever it is that I do? Because ultimately, like, they're the ones that are the reason I get paid to do it. Otherwise, if nobody's watching, I mean, I'm just doing this for fun. It's not, And I, I got news for you, man. I'm not really into taking fists and, and shins to my head for fun. I'm just not. You know, I uh, okay, like, in sparring environment with my friends, okay, sure. But on a national stage in front of thousands of people, millions of people potentially – and, uh, you know, my family being there and, uh, you know, in a super dangerous situation with a dude that doesn't like me at four ounce gloves. Hell no, I don't want to do that for fun, man. You know, it, it is fun to a degree. But, uh, you know, that's a, to me, that's a that's a professional thing. That's something that I, I want to do for a living. And um, if I want to do that, I got to keep promoting myself. So the social media, I, I just I, I really have fun with it. I, I don't really get to. If I get heated with somebody in social media, it's usually just kind of a conversational exchange. It's I don't think it ever really affects me emotionally. Um, I can't let it ha let that happen. Uh, a lot of people, I, I think it gets to them be because they, especially like guys that are super nice. Like you get look at a guy like Daniel Cormier for instance. I don't know if they're like in MMA. There's too many nicer guys. Same thing as George. Like George is really nice too. And if you look at the comments on some of these guys' posts, it's crazy the things that people say to these guys. You know, and they're and and they're like some of the baddest men on the planet. 
Like Daniel Cormier could kill you. George St. Pierre could kill you. Like, would they? No, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, they have the potential to. It's not like some dude you're getting angry at in a uh, in a traffic situation. You, you have some road rage and, oh, yeah, whatever. That guy doesn't know anything. No, these are guys who have proven that they are killers. And you got guys there, that, not only killers, but got, that they're also nice people. And you got people commenting all kinds of terrible things on their social media. So the moment I saw that and I saw the things that people would say about George and Daniel and think, you know, what, I just like I'm going to get hate no matter what I do, it, whether I'm a nice guy, whether I'm a, ba- a bad guy. It, it really I'm just going to be me, really. Not just me, though. Uh, me plus 10 to 15 percent, because I think that's also very important um, when it comes to promoting yourself and, and things like that is something that that's missing from some people. Uh, yeah, be yourself. But you want to be a little larger than life because I think that by doing that, it gives people something to watch, right? Like, for instance, when you watch a drama on television or in the movie theaters, uh, it's very rarely aligns perfectly with what would happen in real life. Like, it's often way more dramatic that, you know, uh, in a course of 30 minutes, you know, someone's you know, dad dies, then their girlfriend breaks up with them, then they get back together, then uh, then they, you know, get something stolen. And it's just things that just don't usually, you know, quite happen that way in real life, in real time, you know, that in that kind of succession. Because it's, it's made for people to want to watch. You want to see something that you don't really see every single day. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm me on social media, but I'm me plus 10 or 15%. I, I'm going to exaggerate some things. I'm going to try to make things a little bigger, a little bit more exciting because that's what people want to see ultimately. They want to be entertained, and, and I'm an entertainer. And when it really comes down to it, I'm a martial artist, but I'm also an entertainer. And, and it's very important to understand that distinction that I have those those two jobs, not just one. Yeah, I think uh, Dylan Dennis has perfected that through social media. He's only had one MMA fight, but... He is larger than life on social media, and he's done a great job. Even though a lot of people hate him, you can't hate his his hustle on social media. Yeah, no, no, uh, absolutely. I've been saying this for a while. Um, It's not the approach that I would take because that's not me plus 15%. To me, that would be – the things that he does would be – would feel very fake to me, right? Maybe for him it's not. You know, maybe that for, for maybe that is him plus fifteen percent, or maybe it's sort of it's some of the things he would. I don't know. Maybe that's him plus fifty percent. Maybe that's the deal. Maybe it's just like a crazy exaggeration, and maybe I just I'm not ready to take it that far. But there's no arguing with the results, right? That's what that's ultimately what this conversation comes down to, is you know he whatever that formula is for him. I mean, he's getting followers, you know, and you could argue, uh, you know, he's friends with Connor and <clears throat> he gets to post a bunch of photos with him, which I'm sure helps. Don't get me wrong. But I think he does a lot of his own promotion as well. Um, and again, not the way that I would do it, not the way that I would really hope one of my students would do it or somebody close to me would do it. I would have a tough time being really close to somebody like I don't I, I can't imagine a situation where me and Dylan were best friends. Let's put it that way. Like if Dylan was my best friend. And, and that's like what was going on. I'd be like, oh, God, what did he say today? <laughs> you know, because people will be asking me about it. And I'd be like, uh, yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, even Gordon makes me feel that way sometimes. You know, uh, his social media is crazy. It, it's a little bit more. I, I like his a little bit more, Gordon's. But 
Um, even Gordon sometimes, you know, I'm like, oh boy, you know, I'm going to have to answer for this. Somebody's going to ask me, why is Gordon doing this? And because I'm close to the guy. So uh, yeah, man, I, again, you can't argue with the success, uh, but not the way that necessarily I would do that. What is Gordon's potential in MMA? You know, because he's been talking about it recently and I think he's had a, a few fights, right? In MMA? Oh, in MMA? No, no, never. No? Uh, no fights. Um, I think he, as a as a child, he may have gotten involved in some fights and things, but not <laughs> uh, not in mixed martial arts or any uh, you know uh, forum where uh, amateur or professional or anything like that. So um, he's just working on his skills, man, just like I did. Uh, he's doing it a little bit more recreationally. Unfortunately, um, he just got a major knee injury, so that's going to derail him for a little bit. Um, and I think he has some aspirations in grappling still. So it's looking like, especially because of the injury, like we're probably set on like another year before we really see him in the cage. But I can't say for sure. You know, um, that's the, the gist that I get from the injury because it was a really tough thing. Uh, it sounds like the recovery is going really well. He's walking well and everything like that. Uh, I think he's going to be 100% very soon. But uh, as far as his future in MMA is concerned, I think it's bright, man. I mean, I think the kid is crazy delusional. Um, like, he just has the confidence like I've never seen before in my life uh, for no particular reason. Don't know why he's that confident about himself. But, you know, but in jiu-jitsu, it makes sense. I, he's accomplished, you know, crazy, amazing things. Right? But I feel like in MMA, like, he probably feels exactly the same way he does about grappling. And, you know, I know he knows that he needs to work really hard to get to that level. Um, but I think that Gordon um, has a high expectation for himself and he's going to work until just like he did in jujitsu. He had a very high expectation for himself. And I think he's going to work as hard as he can until he reaches that expectation. Um, we'll see, man. You know, I think he, when he went into jujitsu, I think his original thought was, Oh, I'd like to be a really good mixed martial artist one day. So having said that, if that was like kind of his game plan in his head from the beginning, well, to me, that says it's a pretty good chance that he's going to, he's going to make a decent run for it in MMA. And you never really know. MMA is a crazy sport. Anything can happen. Like I said, you know, those knockouts, man, it, the fight's going and then it's not. And it's it's all over in seconds. And uh, who knows? Who knows what we're going to see out of Gordon. Uh, I'm, but I'm sure like he's going to prepare really, really hard when he do, before he does actually get in that cage. All right, one more question about the grappling side of the world, you know. Uh, Nicky Ryan, he was recently announced that he's going to face Uriah, Uriah, Uriah Faber. Uh, Nicky Ryan, he's been going around and just taking out the old school guys, you know, and uh, it's been incredible. What do you think of his chances against Uriah? I think he'll do really well against Uriah. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised uh, that Uriah took the fight, but I thought it was really cool that he did. Um, I think, like, Uriah's just looking for some, you know, different things to compete in and... Uh, um, man, uh, uh, I think, uh, Nikki's, I think just the level of jujitsu nowadays, uh, that these guys are on is just, it's just so far exceeded, um, what, cause you know, you're right. It is a grappler. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, it's so far exceeded, you know, the, the limits of like what these guys were doing, um, you know, back in the day and, and currently in mixed martial arts. Um, because there's, you know, Nicky's specializing in this. He's doing it every day, multiple times a day. 
Sure, he's younger. Sure, he's not nearly as strong. Uriah is going to be way stronger. Um, regardless, even if they weigh in the same weight, uh, I mean, Uriah is just a physical specimen. He's been doing this for a really long. He's a man. Let's put it that way. He's a man. Nikki's a boy. You know, that's just how it is. That's the that's the story, and um, it's going to play a role. Uh, in athletics, you know, even though I consider martial arts or sorry, even though I consider jujitsu to be a highly technical sport where a lighter guy could beat a bigger guy, like it plays a role, man. I've had many fights against really big guys and it's it's tough. It's different, different. So um, even though I don't necessarily say that Uriah is that much bigger than Nikki, he will be a lot stronger and it's going to be an interesting challenge for Nikki to deal with. He has struggled with that in the past. There have been opponents that he's fought where I've said, you know what, if Nikki was just like a little bit stronger, I think uh, that match would have went uh, it different. But hey, man, that's part of his development. He's he's growing up, and and he'll get there, you know, eventually. Um, but I think from a technical standpoint, uh, it's it's going to be hard to touch him. You know, I, I don't know what the rule set is. Which organization is putting that on? Polaris or I think or it's Kasai. Is it Kasai? If it's Kasai, yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure because they they change up rule sets so much. If there's a if there's a potential for a decision, maybe he could squeak out of this. I just don't see. I certainly don't see Uriah submitting Nick. Let's put it that way. Um, if there's some way that maybe he can be a little bit more active and he can kind of stall and not let Nikki get in on things, uh, maybe he could get a squeak out of decision, depending on how long the match is and what the rules are. But other than that, man, I, I think I'm going to see we're going to see Nikki on top on that match for sure. And I'm very excited about it. Super awesome of him to accept that. And I'm, I'm just excited about all the big things that are in Nikki Ryan's future. Just came off that uh, ADCC trials win, 17 years old. That's that's crazy. I don't even think I competed in my first trials until I was 19, you know. And uh, I I lost my first match, 0-0 decision to JT. And, you know, Nikki just went in there and literally submitted everybody. Um, so just, the sky's the limit for that kid. I'm so excited to see, you know, what his future holds. Yeah, man. Um, just like him, I'm excited to see what the future holds for you. It all starts March 31st in Tokyo, man. Yeah, it's 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 the biggest event in promotional history. You get to be a part of it, and it could be a launch pad for you to chase that belt, man. Thank you for your time, Gary, and uh, good luck to you, sir. Yeah, very excited. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you having me on. All right, I'll see you later. Thanks so much.